Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode number 387. My name is Brando. Welcome to the podcast, Mr. David Fishoff. How are you, sir? I'm doing well and excited to be number three eight seven. I lucky number. I think so, since that you're you're on with me. And before I lose it, I wish you were a guest earlier. Uh, I it's something that it wasn't on my GNR radar. I don't know if you could tell that this podcast is a lot about Guns and Roses. Well, now we got you know I'm excited. I announced yesterday Richie Fortas. Yes, I, I shared. I saw that on Instagram. I, I reposted that or whatever the kids are calling it. Right. Uh, but I want to give a shout out to a, a listener, Mary Lynn, who recommended. Have you ever interviewed David Fishoff? Uh, David Fishoff, and I, because I was asking for guests for the new year, and he's like a rock and roll fantasy. Of, of she said a rock and roll fantasy camp. It seems like he'd be a great guest, and now has a new book out to talk about. So, not just right. a book. We're going to talk about the uh, the documentary, uh, Rock Camp, uh, the movie. But before we even get to that. You have had what your career is something that I am so amazed by, and what made the documentary so fun to watch. It's on if people you haven't seen it yet, put hit pause, go watch it first. It's on Amazon, it's on YouTube, it's on a lot of other streaming services. It's free, it's free on Amazon Prime now. Yeah, I, I chose because I like staying on my computer, I chose YouTube, but still, I, I enjoyed it regardless. So, you kind of had the beginnings of. The marvelous Ms. Maisel, in a way, of the Catskills, of that yeah. scene, right? Of booking guests and comedians. Wow. Wow. So, And, and I'm about to announce it. I'm going to do a comedy fantasy camp with, um, with Adam and um, another big name, which once we confirm it tomorrow, I'll announce it. But, you know, I, I, I started in the Catskills. And my brother was the musician. I tried to be a musician, right? Because that was the only way you could get women. <laughs> and uh, that's why, you know, Brett Michaels, Joe, Joe Walsh, they all admitted it, you know. So, um, but I wanted to be a musician. I was terrible. But I was booking all the comedians up in the Catskills, you know, from Freddie Roman, Henny Youngman, Jack Carter, you know, David Brenner, you name it. And so I'm going to live my dream out finally after 25 years of continuing to do rock and roll fantasy camp, uh, I'm going to try to do a comedy fantasy camp. Oh, that's brilliant. And you mentioned Adam, Adam Carolla. I know that uh, because it's cool. You just did Adam Carolla's show, and then you're doing this fun little Guns N' Roses themed podcast. But, you know, I, 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 I put myself down. You're probably used to that as far as my Jewish nature. We put yeah, our, no, we, we all do. Ourself, we, you know, it's this part is, of our shtick. It is what I mean. It's not even a shtick. It's a it's a therapy thing that I'm trying to work out. But my my wife says to me the other day, you know, the anxiety. You know, you have so much anxiety. I said, Karen. I said, anxiety is a Jewish thing. You know, my father's a Holocaust survivor. You know, can you imagine that's where I, I got it from him. You know, or wow. from my mother. You know, from Berlin, Germany. But. It's okay. Anxiety, uh, you, you know, we want perfection. So that, that's why, we're, you know, we're anxious. We, we like to do good things to people and good things in business. So I think anxiety, as long as you keep it under control, 
it's okay. But that definitely, definitely, it's our heritage. And that's what spoke to me. And I'm purposely wearing my Guns and Moses shirt for you today. Oh yeah, I just saw it in Israel. I just got back from Israel. My it was great. My because there's a shout out to the a cover band David Rose is the lead singer there. And one of my brothers got it on birthright when he went to Israel. He brought it home yep. for me. He got it for me. So, but that spoke to me, and especially at the beginning, that I don't know who coined the phrase, but talking about your career, that you were the one who brought the yarmulke to the next level. <laughs> I just so obviously with rock and roll and the uh, the Jewish humor, it really well, spoke I, to me. That documentary. I have to give you a great story for your fans that you will love. So I, I buy a ticket to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and I'm sitting next to Slash years ago and i went over to him and i said uh, slash would you do my rock and roll fantasy camp and here's my card and next day he called me and he says tell me about it seems intriguing i explained him what it is and um he did it he came to vegas um i asked him to come for a few hours and uh, he ended up staying for 12 hours he worked so hard i gotta tell you he was amazing he jammed with every band for an hour wow. and you know he could i said just come and do one or two songs and he was, he just couldn't stop playing. And he even said to me later, it's the hardest thing you ever to do. But I said to him afterwards, I said, you know, I want to call my camp Slash's Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. I said, you know, your name, it could make it just amazing. And I said, and well, that was my idea. And I said, can we go have lunch and meet me for lunch one day? So he calls me back and he says, uh, meet me at the um, Cantor's Deli in, on Fairfax. Mm-hmm. Now, I said to him, you know, I, I you know, I eat kosher, but um, I know Cantus, but we, we can go anywhere somewhere else. He said, no, no, let's go to Cantus. So I realized when I came to Cantus, I met him in the back room. He said, meet my my best friend, Mark Cantor. Right. And he said to me, you know, Mark fed the entire band when we were at Fairfax High School, and uh, he's my best buddy, and they're so close to this day. And Mark wrote a great book on on the on the band. And I always bring my campers to him and, and tell let Mark tell the story. And it turns out my daughter married his cousin. Okay. So like, yeah, we're in the family. And, um, and Mark's a fabulous guy. But I want to tell you about Slash, the greatest. And it's been hard to get him to come back and because, um, you know, he's busy. He got so busy now. And um, But the fact that the, that the band goes to Israel, the fact that um, they're, they're not scared of uh, – they're going this summer. July 15th, they're going to be in Israel. Mm. And, um, it, you know, you got to give them credit where so many artists have been afraid to go because of, you know, Roger Waters and is causing them aggravation. The Stones have gone, McCartney goes, but Guns N' Roses, um, they go. And I have to tell you, I've had a lot of the members of the band, you know, whether it was Stephen Adler or Matt Sorum, mm-hmm. uh, Duff McKagan did my TV show, all terrific people. And, and now I'm really excited because I, I used Richie Fortas to do a master class and he sold out both of them during COVID. We did them on Zoom and um, he has he was such an amazing person that uh, and I so I contacted him and he said he's in rehearsals for Guns and Roses during the, the month of May. I said, anytime you can make it. He says, well, you know, we're not going to start for one o'clock, so I'll come in the morning. So another gentleman, just so you know, and I say that because. You know, people's identification of these rock stars is just so different of who they really are deep inside, you know, and they come across a certain way. But, you know, rock camp, you know, as you saw in the movie, they're just, they're really amazing people. It's not so much the, yes, you're right, with the, because I've been lucky enough to have Richard Fortas and Mark Cantor both on the podcast. And I know Mark Cantor's not a rock star, but I've been lucky to have some of the guests that you've 
had on. Yeah, like Alice Mark. Cooper. Very Alice Cooper was really nice people. Dave Mustaine, really nice person. Oh, great guy. But what I found really interesting about the camp, because a lot of my and I'm so glad you made the the, the Simpson references because I'm a huge Simpsons fan. I could have easily done a Simpsons podcast as well. But sometimes, like at the beginning, I'm watching the the, the early news stories about the Rock Camp, and like when Jay Leno made the joke. It's a lot of money. But it's it's not about that. It's not about maybe someone privileged and they have. I, I'm, I'm not Howard Stern. I don't make a lot of money. I personally couldn't. Hopefully one day. Well, you can. You know, people pay it off over 12 months. They also, it's just as costly today as it is to go on a cruise. Oh, and sure. Those, you go to those festivals and I see how expensive they are. My camp is not, I give you more of it. I put you on, in, uh, you know, on stage with these people. And um, while I know the cost, people think the cost is high comparatively to what's out there on a vacation. It's not. And, um, but I'm not here to defend the cost, the rock camp. Cause it's no, I, and I have a point to that as well, because you're right. The I think the investment is different than going on a vacation. That's something how I, there was one couple that said, we don't go on vacations, we come here. And the reason being, and I'll credit another listener, because she phrased it so well. Her daughter went to a, a fantasy camp 15 years ago. She wasn't sure what year. Uh, but my cat McLeod said uh, it helped her self-esteem and she started performing live with full confidence thanks to this amazing school and amazing uh, and brilliant endeavor the they had to come up with an original song at the end of the week and it was such an invaluable experience so it's the experience that the person has and what really blew me away was not just the person but the families that were included in the documentary you know, the husbands, first of all, the husbands come home. The wives tell me my husband doesn't have road rage anymore. Okay, here's the best way to explain rock and roll fantasy camp. First of all, with COVID, a lot of new people picked up guitars. A lot of people um, are musicians. They play in their houses, never play with bands. Those are the type of people that we attract. But we also get a majority of our people went to high school, college, had a band. And they had no choice, um, but they had to go take a real job. And they deep, they want to really be a musician and do what they love. And they have to take the real job and not go for it, like these musicians who did go for it. Um, Joe Perry said it best at a camp. He said to somebody asked him, um, he, you know, well, we were doing a Q&A, and Joe, Joe asked somebody, what do you do for a living? And the guy says, I'm a lawyer. And on weekends, I play guitar in my band. And he says, you know, you're full of shit. He says, you're a guitar player first. And you do that legal bullshit to pay for your guitars. And the guy said, yeah, yeah, that's me. <laughs> and my brother's a rabbi in Boca Raton. And I, I called him up right afterwards. And my brother's the drummer. And he's the one who got me into all these bands. And he said to me, I said, he said, I'd give up anything just to be a full-time drummer. So a musician's a musician. Hmm. And they're full-time. And they want to do it full-time. So Rock Camp has really come to the answer for them to see what their lives, you know, what, you know, could have been, would have been, or can be. And when I say can be, many of these people are now joining tribute bands, they're writing new songs, they're recording albums, and they're enjoying the success of, of music in later years. And it's just from the the best teachers in the world, the people oh. they grew up, what got them into music, the reason why they are that there. Day, that day Slash was there. I can't tell you how many people's lives he changed that day. I know personally, one lady, she's on, she's, her picture's on USA Today jamming with Slash. And um, she got. She comes back to her job at Wall Street, and the boss calls her at the office and wants to fire her because she took out. Uh, she took two personal days, 
and um, it was sick days. And the guy said, you were sick? You were on the interview on the cover of, of USA Today. <laughs> she turned around. She says, thank you very much. You can fire me. I'm not. I'm quitting Wall Street. Today, she's a music manager. Mm-hmm. And she has two kids, and she got a family. And, and every year, I get a news card from her. And she's doing. she works for a music manager company. Um, there was another young lady who also was at camp. And she got the jam with him. And she was 15 years old. And today she's in a full-time musician and just to be in the presence of slash and he showed us some chords and everything. And he, he was unbelievable. He, you know, he, the patience that he has and I would do anything to get him to come back. Patience. And I'm hoping one day patience, pun intended, I'm sure. Yeah. But he, yeah, he really, <laughs> showed, yeah, he showed people and he gave of himself and, and, you know, he, so he, he lost the jam. You know, how many shows did I do over the years? I did a Grand Funk show at the Greek Theater and this slash. I did a Ringo show. I mean, he showed up everywhere to, to jam with people. He just loves playing. I'm wondering if you could put it into words. When somebody like Slash, like, yeah, he does. He loves jamming. Even when he's not touring, he's doing. He's always doing something. But not all musicians are like that. To no. get their time. I'm not even talking about if they what price tag they come with. Just their time. Out, they're doing on the road. They're... They just want to be with their family, but as somebody who I guess book guests on this podcast, which could be a challenge, but you to get these people, like, is it because you are David Fishoff and you've been doing this for so long that they're well, like, you know, let me teach a bunch of, well, uh, I don't want amateurs is too strong, but just like, why would that? Why would they spend their time okay. doing that? So I, I approached Jeff Beck, and. Um, and I asked him when he came to camp, and I really thanked him for coming. And I said, you know, there's no question. I don't tell you, he's the greatest guitar player. And if you ask, if you ask uh, Jimmy Page, if you ask um, Eric Clapton, you know, they'll both tell you that that he's he's better than he's the best. They've said it. I asked him. I asked him why 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 did you decide to do my camp after he was there? You know, I had him, and he went through experience. He said, you know. I want to give back. I felt it was a safe place that I could play with fellow musicians and give back. And because the business has been really good to me. You know, Nancy Wilson, she said to me after she did camp, um, she said, you know, with your camp, it, it's, um, you know, while we try to make it in this business and then while we, once we make it, we become, you know, because of our lawyers, agents, managers, and, you know, we finally made it. It's just your camp is pure music. So, you know, it reminds them what it was like when it first started. And I think that's so, yes, I can get them there initially, but Nancy's been back four times. Joe Perry's been back four times. Roger Daltrey's done it eight times. Um, so once they do it, um, you know, they, they, they come back because they get something from it. They realize that, that giving back, it's a great way to give back to people. That was the sense I got from the the documentary. I forgot who was that, that said basically what you're saying is that it's kind of going back to their roots and being there for the love of the music. And I think right. it's really cool to see the, not just the, the people going to the camp, they're getting a lot out of it. But the, oh, the counselors, so the rock stars. So it's so every it's a win win all the it's way a around. Win win. I wouldn't be around this year. You know, the the problem with the business is unlike a, a a concert where you can keep extending the fence or a festival or play bigger arenas. I'm only limited to take in twelve bass players, twelve drummers. You know, uh. so you know it's not one of the greatest of businesses. But I have to tell you that in the end, you get so much gratification from changing these people's lives and um that you know you get some I, every day i get an email thanking me so 
um, and oh, David, I'm doing this, and my band's opening for this, and and you know uh, the other. My favorite story was uh, I was in New York about four years ago, and and a guy stops me on the street and he says, Mr. Fisher. I said, Yeah, yeah. What's going on? He says, You wouldn't believe it. I just returned from Moscow with my band, and we opened for Aerosmith. So what do you mean you opened for Aerosmith? He said, Well, at the last camp six months ago, I. I met Joe Perry's manager was with him and I contacted her afterward and said, our lead singer lives in Moscow. We have a new album out and, and could we be the opening act? And uh, she said, well, send me the CD. And he sends the CD and she said a lot. And she goes to Joe and, and asked Joe, Joe said, where did I meet this guy? I met him at rock camp. Let him open and let him open the show. He said, I was on stage in front of 50,000 people and all because of rock and roll fantasy camp. And while it's something I never promise anybody, sure. the contacts people make at camp is really, is really incredible. Really is a fantasy in so many ways. And I would be remiss if I don't mention this, that was such a surprising yet powerful and important thing in the documentary was the parents that went there that had special needs kids that couldn't communicate or had some sort of learning disability. And wow, it was like a, a, a therapy camp in a way. So is there a, a certain story that sticks out in your mind? Because well, the, well, the transformation with some of these kids is just, wow. That wouldn't happen and, without the camp. And the adults, and the adult transformation. Yes. I'll tell you an interesting story about that. But we could have done a thousand campers. Everyone's got a story. You know, yeah. these people, you know, with they, the, the director, Doug Blush, who did a fabulous job on the film. You know, Doug Blush also did you know, 20 Feet from Stardom. He, he's produced some um, great, and directed some great documentaries. But, um, you know, the, uh, so this, everyone has a great story. And that particular story, and I know I'll add this to it, is I, I recently got a call from a, a, a woman who said to me, I saw the film, and I want to tell you that that couple, what they did to their son and through music and his dreams, um, and now the young man is attending UCLA, plays keyboards. Wow. He said, my husband wouldn't do the work, and our daughter is is, is in a home today. And so what she really was telling me was that the work that Scott and his wife did to, you know, parents can put in so much love and, and yeah. they did it through the music um, to give their son uh, a life. And some people don't work on it, and, you know, and so that, that to me was touching. But, well, yeah, one of my favorite stories I love to share is uh, we I had a woman come who uh, was my guest from the Susan Coleman Foundation. And she uh, was a breast cancer survivor. And she came to a camp with Meatloaf. And when she left camp, uh, she came back and she wrote a book called Rocking in the Pink and about her experience at Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. And then she I, I asked her to come in for an interview. And um, the interviewer said to her, so when you left Rock Camp, you spent four days meatloaf and Roger Daltrey, and and then you had to go back to your regular job. You know, how was it then on Monday morning? And she said, you know what happened? I decided after going to Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp that I was going to live an authentic life just like these rock stars. I was going to, you know, and I'm never going to write another brief again. I'm not going to do any more law, and I'm going to become a writer. And she has now changed her name to Lauren Rowe, because of the other book she wrote and she's written 14 bestseller fictions that sell number one on amazon so i think what people walk away with rock camp is is life lessons and they 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 learn a lot for these rock stars and um i, I wrote a book 10 years ago called rock your business because i wanted to share all the information that i learned over these years from people like Aerosmith and gene simmons from the, the who you know the beatles you know 50 years ago 
these bands are making more money now social media music and commercials and touring and you know the rolling stones and companies can learn a lot from the from these these rockers um they are very smart and you know kodak could use learn lessons and so many of these companies that are, are no longer around 50 years later these brands are are guns and roses they're they're stronger than ever so um there's a lot you can learn from the rock and roll stars that is true and that's something that i like doing my interviews or when i read an autobiography i want to see it's not just about the drug sex and rock and roll it's like what life lesson can i because they're so worldly they've been everywhere so they, they're so worldly you know being around yeah. Being around Ringo Starr for 15 years and how smart he is and and um, and all these musicians, because they, they've experienced, you know, traveling the world, meeting the right people, meeting the, the best people. So the smart ones, you know, Mick Jagger went to, you know, London School of Economics. I mean, he's a genius. I mean, uh, Gene Simmons, he's another one that uh, incredible kisses this, you know, they're so they're so successful and um they keep going on their last tour and they're going to do a hundred more dates <laughs> they announced so, but even guns and roses you know the the business acumen of some of these people is, is really fabulous and you can learn a lot did you there's no way you foresaw this because i didn't know that this all started with ringo's all-star band that you put together at first like you were the person that convinced him to go on the road and i happened to finally have caught the show i think it was the year before covid and I was like, I should have been seeing this every year. Brilliant, but you, you localized that, and you. I look. I I did it. I did it because I was, you know, prior prior to doing that, I did a lot of package tours in my in my early career. I did Happy Together, which is still touring. I did Dirty Dancing's live tour. I, I did American Gladiators. I put that in the arenas. Oh, did. And um, my idea was to put an all star band around Ringo and. Um, the president of Pepsi was so happy with what I did with Dirty Dancing because they they sponsored that, and uh, he said, "What's your next idea?" And um, so I told him I have this idea, Ring on the All Star Band, and and um, he says, "I'll back you." And um, so I went over to England, and it took me six months to get a meeting with Ringo. I finally got the meeting, and I walk in and share my idea, and he says, oh, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> Uh, together we put this amazing band together and it was nothing like that first tour um and you can see that funny joke that they played on me i'll save it for the people who to see the movie i fell for it until i the reveal at the <laughs> end so okay yeah it was great to, you know and and i was around these amazing musicians and all the time i just kept saying wow if i could give this to a fan and you know what they would they would just have the most i was blown away you know it was just me ringo and and the band traveling and just watching how creative and how much fun they were and and whether it was writing a song just it was just amazing and um that's why i cried that's how i created the rock and roll fantasy camp and then you know and it allows me not to have to tour every night although i'm in nashville today because i have a women's camp starting tomorrow with winona judd and lizzie hale um awesome but you know i only travel when i have to go to a camp why aren't you, or perhaps it was uh, an oversight on my part, why aren't you in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? No, I don't want, you know, I tell you, I didn't want to be in the movie. I, I got to tell you, what, the one thing I learned from Ringo was the best lesson. When it came, I used to go to him and say, hi, this interview, they want to talk to you. They want, he said, no, give it to Joe, give it to Nils. He always pushed all the musicians. He never wanted it for himself. He's a, he's a gentleman who just wants to be in a band and that's what he loves and i'm the same way i did not want to be in that doc after the second year that they were putting it together um 
everyone kept saying, you have to, Jeff Rowe, the producer, you got to be in it. I said, I want to be in it. I, I want to push everybody. I wanted the campus stories. I wanted the rocker stories. And they kept saying, no, no, you need to do it. And, you know, so I agreed to do it on a few conditions. I, it was important for me to tell my story that I'm a, I'm a Holocaust survivor, son. Uh, my dad survived the Auschwitz and Buchenwald, and he was a cantor. Um, I wanted to tell people I was Orthodox Jewish. And, and I, you know, I wanted to share the stuff that, that was important to me. I'm not I'm not a rock and roller, um, but, you know, I, I didn't want to be in it. I, I, you know, I did it and, and thank God I, I'm glad I did it. But it's for me, it's always been about being the guy behind the scenes and pushing the, the talent forward. And um, and that's what makes me fun. I don't want to be on that stage. So what would go, let's just say you went to, let's just not call it the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Let's call it like the Baseball Hall of Fame. Off the air, you were saying, talking about your friend Lou Piniella. And I know you're a sports guy as well. I use this analogy, a lot of sports analogies I use with music. Like if you get to the elected to the Hall of Fame, you get to pick what hat you're going to wear. Like what, yeah, you know, what I, hat would you wear? Like would it be? Well, I, it's so funny. I, I, I don't think that, um, I think the Baseball Hall of Fame is much more uh, to me real than Rock Roll Hall of Fame. I think <laughs> okay, okay, I'm not, a, I'm not, I, I, I think the Hall of Fame is great. And a lot of people, I had a camper sent me a, an email, a rock star. I asked him to camp. He's oh, I'm a member of the Rock Roll Hall of Fame. I said, it means absolutely nothing. It won't sell anything more because you remember the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because, you know, I'm, I'm the monkeys. My biggest question people ask me on all my tours and my movie tour, you know, as promoting the movies, why aren't the monkeys in the Hall of Fame? So, you know, while some people think it's rigged and it's a, it's not even a fan favorite, Judas Priest just got in. I mean, they just got in this year. I mean, how many people aren't, aren't in and should be in? And it's, but it's a personal favorite, you know, and Jan Wenner, who he decides is going to get in, that's usually who gets in mm. and uh, who love Rolling Stone. But I want to tell you that um, baseball is real. It's real that, you know, it's, it's, it, it, I think it's a, harder to get into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Um, because of the writers, but the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you know, it's good, it's fun. They do charitable stuff, so I think it's great. But I don't think it's as prestigious, or you know, <laughs> I'll go in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Well, it was for like a lack of a better analogy, because let's just say your business card, because I introduced you as the CEO yeah. and founder of the Rock and Roll Hall of uh, Fame. Family. I love that. Uh, the fantasy I, camp, excuse me, yeah, but right. what would uh. Because you've done so much. Is there, just, can you say what you're most proud of? Like, I guess that's my uh, question I'm looking for. I'm most proud of my eight grandchildren okay. and five kids. Okay. And, um, but I'm most proud of really taking what I have, what I learned, and change people's lives. And one by one, and seeing these people grow. And, um, and, I, and, and that I was able to give it to them, give them this privilege. And, um, and I get thanked every day, you know, quietly on an email or get a Facebook, David, thank you. My band's opening for this. I recorded this. And I feel so, I feel great that I'm, I'm doing, you know, in life, it's better to give than to receive. And you get more out of giving than receiving. And that's to me is fun. So, you know, I'm a real simple guy. So I drive a scooter, yeah. um, well, I thought I, you upgraded. It said you upgraded. Yeah, I upgraded. Yeah, I won't drive. I won't drive a Harley. That's okay. <laughs> but I, I, I keep my life simple, and you know, I like to follow some great rock stars. I learned that from Roger Daltrey. He's, he's most charitable man in in rock and roll. He gives them himself. He has a great charity called Teenage Cancer Rock, um, Teenage Cancer, yeah, Teenage Cancer America, and he gives himself to build um, outlets at um, hospitals so teenagers can get their cancer treatments 
um, instead of you know t- taking their their chemo with babies and with and with the old people, they have their own sections now in all these hospitals that he that he and the who have built. I think you know, and I see how simple he is, and and um, how many pairs, how many hamburgers can you eat? So I think that um, simplicity is definitely a um, a better way to live, and yeah. um, and you know, because I, I, I you know money doesn't really make you happy in the end. I know it can pay a lot of bills and things like that, but if you're happy within, then, then you're really happy. That's why again, I love the documentary because it's just more than just watching your favorite rock stars. It's the lessons that we learned from you. It's the lessons that we learned from the campers. Um, I know. And I'll, tell you, I'll yeah. tell you one other thing that I hope people take away from the movie, that at any age, you can accomplish what you want to accomplish. You do not have to wait. Um, or like, for example, um, if you want to be an artist at 50 years old, if you want to create an iPod, an iPad at uh, 45, you know, Nothing should stop you from taking an original idea and going for it. You know, these people, while they do it through music, I want people to be able to take their ideas and, and their apps and their any thoughts they have and be able to do it and not be afraid. Is there anything, because I, I highly recommend a movie. It's not just because you're here. I felt better. I will say this. Watching it, we were talking about families before. I'm going to be a first-time dad in April. and just Oh, wow. And seeing just the connections, I'm like, yeah, wow, I would totally do that for my son. Like, just seeing the passion with some dad's eyes. Again, so I took a lot out of the movie than just seeing Slash there and Steven Adler with all, you know, all the, the buttons that you I want pushed anyway, typically. Uh, but also with the book, Rock Camp and Oral History, uh, anything that's maybe in that book that wasn't in the movie or vice versa? Or is it just a Yeah, trip? there were a lot of stories. There were a lot of stories from campers, a lot of stories that, that, that didn't make the movie, a lot of stories about camp that I was able to share. Um, and I want to say that the Rock Camp book is, is, is came out of the Rock Camp Foundation. A bunch of uh, campers got together and formed their foundation. And they sent two campers, two young teens, to rock, each of the Rock Camps because they wanted to give this privilege and to young people who could never afford it or get to it that's great and so they can change their lives and so they so i donated i wrote the book and then i donated all the proceeds to them and the book to them and um it's dedicated to that the foundation and i think people enjoy the book it's it's motivating it's it's um i think the book will you know share more stories and uh, and about the camp but uh go check the movie out it's free it's on amazon prime it's rock camp it's on youtube and i think people from there um, that's a great place to start and see what we're really about. I feel like I went to camp just by watching it, as silly as they may, right. may sound. Um, and you know, man. and I have to say, I wanted people to see, not to be scared to go, because yeah. you know it's intimidating. You know, you have Jeff back, and all of a sudden, uh, a wife calls me up. My husband can't come. He's got a business meeting. Uh, his, his brother has cancer. His mother has cancer. His guitar has cancer. They throw that word around like, relax. You know, just calm. These rock stars leave their egos at the door. They're here to help you. And that's what they are. They really are. They give so much of themselves. And who knows if I could have done this 50 years ago, but definitely doing it now. It's, it's a, the, the rock star is, is just so much more you know, willing to give, willing to meet their people, meet, willing to meet their fans and, and you know, share, their, share their wares. That's awesome. Uh, before I, I let you go, a couple of quick things, because you mentioned Jeff Beck. Uh, a couple times and of course rest in peace and you showed that his thumbprints is on the rock camp 
uh, big logo. It's just that's just so cool. Any because you told a, a good Jeff Beck story earlier, but anything that you might want to say uh, about J- uh, Jeff during well, uh, first of experience? All, I, I thought it was was great having Jeff Beck there, even though people were scared to play with him. But then they all relaxed in, and then he said to me after he jammed with everybody, he said, "What are these bands doing?" And I said, "They're jamming at the MGM tonight in the lounge, and each band's going to go on." He showed up, and he came to watch them. And he said to me, you know, I'd get up there and play with them. I just didn't want to intimidate and the place would go a little nuts if I did that here. So he went, but he sat and watched them all perform. Then the next morning, my phone rings. It's Jeff Beck. And he says to me, what's going on today at your camp? I said, um, Brian Wilson, Beach Boy. Oh, send the car over. I want to come see him. He sat in the back the entire time. Brian Wilson did a performance and jammed with all the bands to see that he was such a fan of music. And then him and him and Brian got together and they went on tour together. Huh. And um, and that was just incredible to see what a human being is. And, you know, to his blessing, if you see everyone posted about him, I mean, it was unbelievable. Everyone posted yeah. just what a gentleman he was. And um, so I thought that uh, I thought that was great. And, um, you know, because he really he really was he was sweet that one time. Then when every time I saw him at a show or he said to me, you know, he came and gave me a hug and he said, I love that thing. That was great. So, um, yeah, he, he, it was amazing. And, and again, I, you know, what I love about the film, I think you'll enjoy because you see a lot of rock documentaries, you interview a lot of people. You get to see the rock stars differently yeah. than you see anywhere else. You see a humble Gene Simmons. You see <laughs> a humble Paul Stanley. You see a humble Sammy Hagar. You see these people how how they get touched with other fellow musicians and and you know like I think Roger Dolce said it best he says I just you know I just got lucky. You're right, and you hit, I'll just ask because you just mentioned just in that one breath all the A-list stars you've had. Anyone that you haven't got or that's on a wish list? Well, it was so great to have Mick and Keith do The Simpsons, so that that was very exciting. Okay. Um, and um, I, I guess you know. I have to say it's Paul McCartney, you know, he's my all time favorite and I probably never get him. Eric Clapton. Um, I, I, I reminisce with Eric Clapton in a coffee shop one day. I shared a story when we were on tour with Ringo. I had Ginger Baker at camp and, and I had Jack Bruce on and Jack Bruce came to camp wow. and I told him the story about when we were doing um, on tour with Ringo and Ginger showed up in Colorado where he was a fireman for a while. And, uh, he showed up and Ringo got on stage. He said, tonight we have 2% cream. So <laughs> I, said to, I said to Eric, I said, I've had two of the cream members. You know, I'll do anything to have you come to camp. So um, he smiled and he said, maybe one day. So, you know, you know, Jimmy Page and, and, and you know, these people, I'm hoping that, that the one day they'll say to me, you know what, I'll do it. And uh, so you, you never, I, I never say never because I'm getting more and more great stars now that the movie's out there. You've created so many great memories and just, you know, a thing, events that have happened. I don't put anything past you. So I, I expected to happen. You made, you know, you're being humble, which, uh, which is part of our, our DNA is the self-deprecating well, and humble. Uh, you know, during COVID, what was I going to do? We all suffered. I can't tell you how many bands thought they'd never perform again. Mm. People are scared. And I came up with the idea to do master classes and every night, I created I had another mascot, whether it was Six the Band, Scorpions, you name it, Roger Daltrey. And, you know, I, I, they, most of them gave the money to charity or they gave it to their bands. And after 160 classes, 
I would I would turn to the hostess, um, Britt Lightning, our musical director, and I'd say to her on the phone, I said, you know, it was just amazing. First of all, it kept me alive during COVID. I was happy, exciting, getting new new artists to come see what the brand is about. Sure. But I think what was most exciting was if you looked at the common denominator, all these 160 classes, whether it was a manager, a, a, a record executive, it was all passion and it was about the song. And I leave you with that. And I leave all your listeners. The one thing that keeps all these rock stars is the passion for their 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 musician, for their music, for their instrument, and writing that hit song. I mean, that's what it's about is writing music. And um I think that's that, that that's the two things I learned. It's about the song and and everyone had passion. Well, as I mentioned, the documentary is great. Uh, congratulations on that. Congratulations on the book. Congratulations on your life. Basically, it was what I'm trying, uh, trying being to say. a good father is probably, and if I can be a good husband, that's then then, I, then I'm then I've, then I've won. Well, thank you, David Fishoff. Uh, I hope we get to do this again. Good. And I hope to meet you. Come by when I do a camp. I, you know what? I, I think that's what I'm, I'm going to do. I told my wife he's going to be a rocker. I, I can't play an instrument. I'm going to teach him, and that's what's going to happen. That's a absolutely congratulations. You know, my I'll leave you this. My father was a moil. Okay. Father. <laughs> Don't forget. Uh, every time I hear, I hear moil, I just think of that Seinfeld episode. So I got to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he worked on tips, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave yeah. on. That. So that does it Thank for this you. episode of Appetite for Distortion. When will you see the next one? In the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, you'll see it, I don't know, as soon as the word. Thanks to the lame-ass security, I'm going home.